Hey, yo, it's the Bettertown crew, and you can be too <laughs> if, if you, you only knew, knew what he did, did for you. you. Oh, man, that's going way back. Was that... That that's, was DC Talk. That was free at last? No, that was New That was Heaven Bound. New Thing, wasn't it? That was Heaven Bound. Was that Bound? Heaven Bound? It was a Heaven, no, it was Heaven, really, heaven Bound crew, and you can be too if you only knew what it did for you because Christ died on a, it's on a tree. Christ, dies, Christ died, don't you see, to set us free. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It was so good. That was our uh, drug-free so put the crack up. That was our... <laughs> Toby Mac, Toby well, Mac was our Marky Mark. <laughs> well, we still had the drug free, but the crack up. We had the actual drug free, but the crack up. What? Did you not listen to the secular music, Johnny? Did I you did. not call it secular music? I did. That's the thing with people. When you say secular, it's such a funny thing. Secular. It sounds evil when you say the word yeah. secular, doesn't it? It really is. Uh, is it wrong? I don't know. So, well, no, it just means it's not about church. It just feels wrong. It's just, man. You know, you haven't said anything about the fact that I basically have taken my hair down to a shadow. You didn't even notice. We've been sitting here for like an hour. I I don't think anybody else calls it a shadow. You don't think they go, what do they call that? I don't. um, It's, I mean, I'm going bald. So look, it was happening with or without me. So I went Are you going to go completely like close to the. Like shave it? Yeah. Well, this is pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty close. You got a little Charlie Brown patch working up there. I don't have the Charlie Brown. No, no you don't everything have. is down. I had the Charlie Brown patch. No, yeah, I'm taking it down. You look good. No, well, why? Greg did it, and Greg's got a great head, though. Does he? I'm looking at your head thinking, is this going to be good? You know what? I think my head turned out okay. When we did it, my wife was there, and she was like, you know what? Your head looks nice. I've got a bump right under here that yeah. I've had forever, yeah. and it would just be completely exposed. Is that the source of your powers? Could be. If you took away that bump, would it you? It would be constantly. If I had to shave my head. It would be like constantly getting nicked with the razor. It's like the Adam's apple of your brain. Something like that. <laughs> it's a cranial Adam's apple. Uh, Words I never thought I'd no. say. But I think it's there's a level of uh, acceptance. You're an, you're an established author. You're, oh, Johnny, I'm so established. You have a lovely family. I do have a lovely family. And so what's the point? What right. are you... You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand if you're going bald before you get married and things that you're panicked. Right. Because you're trying to attract a mate. But, like, you're, you're, you caught your limit. You're good. I don't think that I attracted my mate physically oh. anyway. I, mean, I think she's physically attracted to me, but I don't know. I don't, I, I'm always surprised that Albert I got the Brooks, mate. Albert Brooks used to have a theory. He said it in one of his movies that, um, your spouse should be just attractive enough to turn you on, and that's it. Any extra attraction is just going to cause problems. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. That's an interesting theory. And then they said, well, what about you? And he said, my wife was way too attractive for me. <laughs> and I think that's what's going to be your undoing, John. Well, Because after a while, you're like, man, Laura, you're so attractive. And you constantly tell her. And after a while, she's like, you know what? He's I right. Am, I'm I way am. out of his league. <laughs> I, you got a good point. You've convinced her to leave you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I I just I was happy because I can tell when she's being serious or not. I think, and she like legitimately she said no 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 seriously I really like I really like this change on yeah, your hair. I think it's great. And I said, but I want here's the honest question: okay. Would you be able to be brutally honest if you didn't like it? She goes, Oh, absolutely. She says, I would really? tell you. Yeah. She said, I have to get used to it or whatever. Yeah. And then Christy Payne, who did it. She said, "Oh yeah, when Jason first did his, I told him I hated it, you know." So there, well, he's I, got a great bald head. He, he does, he does. But I don't know if they, I can't imagine him with hair. 
And then I accuse everyone at the whole salon of being in cahoots that Laura called ahead. So, you know, that's cahoots how weird. Is such a great word, isn't great it? Word, yeah. In it, cahoots. It's like I, I called ahead. You know, then, then that's a whole narcissistic. Like anyone really cares. Yeah. As I get older, I realize that's what made this easier. Mm-hmm. Who, no one cares. No one's looking at me, Johnny. That's important. Like even when know. I'm speaking on stage, they're just closing their eyes. They don't care. You know right. what I'm saying? They don't, they're focusing on the Lord. I am words. under a lot of spotlights. Yeah. So that you're going to want to get like a base tan. Well, I've been I went without a so I have noticed now I'm not wearing hats as much. Oh, look at you. And when I want to wear a hat, it doesn't mess up my hair. So that's pretty spectacular. And if I don't want to take a shower that day when I get out of bed, there you, you can't go. tell. Or just run the hose over your head. Don't even have to though. It's like, well, the hair didn't really move cuz it's barely yeah. even there. Yeah, Laura's definitely leaving you. There's a lot. <laughs> Speaking of, we missed you last week on Talk About That. I don't think you did. I think you went, you blazed full steam ahead because you're like, look, I'm the driving force behind this. And so. You know, you're, the new logo is apparently done. It's no. just, you're just changing the fonts. <laughs> they really are. And Didn't I was going to talk about that. I was going to try to have it for With you John today. and Johnny. Yeah, but I can't. I can't get. But you've already established a year long brand with only you. I think that the moment we change out that image, the old brand just disappears That's and the it. new image populates all of it. What if the downloads skyrocket? You know, Do I get credit? <laughs> Am I going to get any credit having been on every episode of the podcast except like one? Johnny, I've been really pleased with your faithfulness because honestly it was in question. And the fact that you follow Laura through, had to do it. Is that what you're saying? So, well, what? So how did it go? I didn't, I've not listened to last week's yet, but I've heard good things. I think it went well. Curry listens every. My wife listens every week. By the way, yeah, she loves it. What did, did she? Ha- now I think she awkward. likes it because it's like we we're close. We're very close, but I do travel a lot, and so it's almost like there's story. Even if you tell every story to your wife that you think you've ever told, when you have to do a podcast, we're always trying to figure out things to talk about. So we end up reminding ourselves of old stories, and right. some of them she hasn't heard, and so it's like. She feels like she knows me more from listening to this podcast. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Tim's wife, uh, Tim Hawkins, he started doing Potty Break, uh, his podcast, and he says that about his wife that she's like, she likes listening because it's like a little window into his playful side and his psyche yeah. when he's around his buddies, when he's around his comedy buddies. No, I think I'm definitely a different person. Uh, it, it was, I thought Laura did a great job co-hosting. Yeah. And we had a really good time. And of course, there's a different dynamic. Um, and How much did you talk about the Enneagram? I don't think we did at all. Really? Yeah, oddly enough. Man. Yeah. No, we didn't. We told some funny stories. You know, uh, there's a lot of funny stories in our marriage. And of stuff, course. So we, had some, we had some good times and talked about, we talked about grief and things like that again. Yeah. Uh, some things, you know, she's very, man, she's always reading and studying and learning and just a, a real wealth there of, of knowledge. So um, we had a good time and um, and it was it was fun. So but we missed you. I was trying to call you in. Okay. So I edited that out. Uh, last week. Oh, okay. Because I was telling yeah. somebody that had listened. I was like, well, he's tried to call me and I didn't know he was calling. So that's why I didn't answer. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, he must have edited. Well, you know, the thing was, yeah, I did it. I was like, hey, guys, Johnny says he's got a real fancy sound check here or whatever. Going, fancy, We're going to call him anyway. Fancy sound check. <laughs> and, and so I was just going to like hear this noise in the background, you know, you're right. on the stage, all the stuff. Like, hey, what are you doing, Johnny? You're live. And, yeah. You know, so what? You know, but you didn't answer. I called. You didn't answer, and you didn't come, come to my rescue. rescue. And, and I, I just don't want to be near you. Just want to know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just want to know where you are. What, that, that song didn't blow up like I thought it would. That song? Yeah. Was that a big? That's a huge song. Oh, okay. I called, you answered. 
Because yeah. I used to do a bit in my show about that, about somebody leaving their voicemail, and it was like a shout to the Lord. <laughs> it was like irritating. It was like, just say you're not there. Don't play a worship song. If you're going to play one. So, so I left a message to that person, and I'd sing the, I called, yeah. no answer. <laughs> I remember that. So I leave you a message, and I am wondering where you are. Like, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> That's the big. It's true. Uh, but we're still friends, John, me and you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 20, 20 years? 20 years this fall. Good grave, John. Because it was 1998 when we met. Yep. We were just children. You were just a wee freshman. Oh, just a wee freshman. We. My favorite thing that you ever told me as a freshman is that you were such a Vols fan. I grew up, I didn't, I could care less, but I became a big Vols fan. But you said. You grew well, up in Knoxville? Yeah, I know. Well, I just, people in Knoxville, it's a little bit different if you're in it all the time because people get so irritated when we lose. Right. And it affects traffic and it affects people's kindness. Right. And so you're just like, I just wish they'd just, you just get over it. tear down the stadium and leave town. Yeah. But you're, you're in it because you're like, oh, we won and you want to be on board. But I was not like a go to every game guy. But then you came in, you were like, that's why you wanted to go to UT. You were a UT fan. That's why you took the scholarship. You're just doing this. And you said, we're going to win the championship this year. And when we do, he goes, you know that Vols, the big, there's letters, (laughs) there's letters that are attached to the back of the stadium (laughs) that are huge letters that light up V O L S. Yeah. You said, I'm taking that V because everybody's going to be running for the, the, uh, whatever the uprights to tear down the. The goalposts. The goalposts. Yeah. They're going to be tearing those down. He said, when they do that, I'm going to go straight up to where that V is. I'm, a, I'm detaching it, and I am riding it down the steps <laughs> like a sled. <laughs> and, like, you were serious. I was like, good grief, this guy's insane. <laughs> and so I challenged you. A couple times that year, I was like, we beat Florida on a lark. They missed a field goal, and we sealed the victory. You were like, I was like, we could do this. They're like the big <laughs> obstacle. We beat Florida. And every win, we came back, and then I was like, we won the SEC championship. I was like, I don't see, I didn't see you tear down the V. I didn't see you. You're like, dude, I was kidding. That thing's attached with bolts. And <laughs> I'm like, what? You can't climb. It's way high on, it's like on top of It's right stadium. on the other side of where you sit, though. So if you were in the up oh, nosebleeds, you. you could reach over and at least get a hold on the V. Now, we did destroy the stadium when we beat Florida. Did you? Were you well, there? I mean, we is a strong Oh, we is a, but we, as a culture. I was on the field. Yeah. So it was like a what? Triple. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know game. that you were on the field for that one. Yes. You, you were in the student that? section? I don't remember. Yes. So immediately when, when they missed their field goal, yeah. we were on the field and they tore down the goalposts and they destroyed the CBS cameras and they messed up all the hedges around the side. And then literally, I remember we ripped up grass. Mm-hmm. I think we were just running around hugging strangers and ripped up grass off the field and my roommate grew it. We grew wow. Neyland Stadium grass. Now, look, that lets you know what kind of guy I was. Lots of people are growing stuff in their dorm rooms. Yeah, we were growing Neyland Stadium grass turf. <laughs> but it was something like they did something like $160,000 worth of damage. That's why there's all those guys around now. You can't rush the field anymore yeah. because it was like, anyway, I was there. And that be, wouldn't that be a weird job to be those? Because I know a guy that does that, uh, Kevin Richardson, if he's listening. He does security for Providence over here, and he drives around, and makes sure nobody's breaking into cars, and he helps people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And but as a side gig, he does security like concerts at you know Nissan Stadium and whatever. And I asked him about it; he got to go see whatever Bon Jovi or whoever. 
but I go, you can't watch the show, can you? He's like, well, sometimes you get a job where you're just facing the crowd the whole time. It's like, what a brutal. Can you imagine being at a great game yeah. and something happens? Yeah. Like the, 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 the kick six Auburn did. Can you imagine, like, you didn't see any <laughs> you're of it? Facing the other way. You're watching to make sure nobody oh, charges the field. What a oh, bummer. That's worse than not seeing it. Right, because it's right behind you. Yeah. You want to look so bad, you hear this roar, and you're like, oh, man. Have you ever been in a game that it looked like we we're going to lose, and you left, and then you start hearing the fireworks going off in the parking lot, which mm-hmm. they always shoot fireworks, and you, and you score touchdowns? I remember it was we're coming uh, back. Yeah. Was it Arkansas? Yeah. Clint Sterner. That people left, and then they tried to come back in, and a bunch yeah. of, no, you know, you don't. They're holding their arms yeah. out. <laughs> Traitors. <laughs> that was the greatest. I hope my father in law is listening. I hope Clint Sterner has made it through that. Like, that's his legacy. It is. It's a, it's, if you go watch the clip, the man laid the ball on the ground. He used the ball to, like, keep himself from falling and then, like, fell anyway, and the ball's just still sitting there. It's the most flukish thing I've ever seen. Still, I yeah. don't, I don't even know. We were in the studio, by the way. Yeah, we were recording. And we, we were recording it. our first CD. Oh gosh, uh, it sold so many. We made tens of dollars. Oh my goodness! It was was it the, no, it was the bowl of soup? Yeah, it was the Mm-mm God. Mm-mm God. <laughs> that. I, find, I by the way, every once in a while, I'll come across a pile of pictures, and I have I have the actual photos of you at that shoot with those weird glasses on, with right. the bowl of soup. We're balancing pasta letters in in, in a bowl, Man. and it was like you made so many hilarious. We were thought we, were, we thought we were being so subversive with that <laughs> title too. That's what we should call the CD. Oh my goodness! I said, what if we put soup letters like Campbell's soup? We put we spell out the letters. Okay. Remember when we went to my grandfather's church. And we played it. Oh, and he's like, they can get their CD in the back. Mama, mama, God. <laughs> I love my papa. Mama. And then he said, he said, you know, just like the soup, mama, mama, good. It's just like that, but mama, mama, God. I was like, I don't. Oh, my goodness. He put a little something on it. it that's, that's... I saw papa the other day. Yeah? Yeah. It's 80, 89, man. My goodness. And he was driving. Do you want to be 89, John? I, I know I pray about this. I want to be 89 with all of my faculties. Faculties is yeah, important. And, and, and some physical, like, no, yes, I do. I want to be 100. I, I want, here's that thing, like, you know, the society today seems, You're going to need to sell some more books. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want to be 100 with your current. The, 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 well, now that I've already dealt with the hair issue, there's no, right, nothing yeah, else to worry about. Where else are you going to go? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, but the, the, <laughs> Yeah, everything else is completely even from here. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, you know, society seems to downplay the influence of elders so much. Like American I always, society more so. Yeah, like I always think, like, I would love to be, if I had my faculties and I had my laptop and I was still saying things or had started saying things that people actually wanted to hear yeah. at that age, how great that would be to still be contributing, you know, and all of those things into it. You'd be that. And then I realized like, but if I'm a hundred and nobody, nobody cares anymore. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if I would care. I think but I just want to see. did care early on, that's pretty good too. Right. If they would care now, I'd be happy. Yeah. So, if you could just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> could someone care about John now? <laughs> The truth is, like, might, I, yeah. I have an only child, so I often think that, like, God, I've asked for Sadie's sake if, if I could live to be a long time and see 
my great grandchildren so that, you know, she has this, right. She has this, you know, family around her. Cause yeah. I always think like if she lost, this is depressing. Gosh. Yeah. We're if really she dragging lost, it down. Wow. The depths wow. Here. If, she, if she lost both of us, it's like, there's no sibling. There's no, yeah. you know, so it'll be okay. So we'll see. Man. I know. Sorry about that. Yeah. Speaking of Sadie, what? she is at her first overnight camp. Okay. And it has been Why hard. is it her first overnight camp? She's 10. Because we stopped going to overnight camps here because the kids. So when I was a kid, I went at like 8. But our kids are sort of crying and stuff. They didn't want to stay well, overnight. They're homesick. Yeah. yeah. And so we started doing a day camp instead, which she loves. But mm-hmm. she had a friend at another church, and the children's pastor is a friend of ours. They're in school together in the yeah. same class. And so they invited her along, you know, and, and she was like, yeah, that'd be great. So now Sadie's joining another church. It's awkward because I want to still be here, but she's already written. She's this, made up her mind. She wrote a letter. She's like, this is where my tithe is going. transferring her membership. It was crazy. <laughs> she's, but, <laughs> she's tithing a tenth of her allowance. Does Sadie have an allowance? She, she does. So I just got Sadie. You're going to laugh so okay. hard. Sadie has a debit card now. I've been researching for months. I couldn't get – we changed banks, so I couldn't get my bank to do it because you got to be a certain age. Huh. Something about legal – I don't know. Right. You know. Anywho, so <laughs> I found there's a debit card called Greenlight, and you are basically the bank, and so you fund it. Yeah. And you can transfer to them whatever amount you want out of yeah. your account that you've placed in it. And then you can green light. You can you can green light only certain places you want them to spend it. So it only works oh, wow. certain stores. So or, if they say I'm going to the movies, you're like, okay, because yep, it ain't going to work if you go anywhere clubbing. with the movies, right? Like so, Sadie goes Sadie clubbing goes a lot. clubbing all That's the time. A, I have to catch her sneaking out of that window. All the What's time. that stamp on your hand? I swear the movie theater does it now. <laughs> they don't give stubs. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything else that that's relate fine. to a club. Sorry. No, that's, but, that's can you tell me? Do you, do you care to tell the listeners what Sadie's Lounge is? Uh, well, we just started this. I put twenty bucks in there to start, wow, and then so Sunday, bucks. last Sunday, she was. I mean, dude, apparently because I come early, she was all over her mom. Like we got to go now. Like she was dying yeah. to get there and to show off her card and use it because she buys a drink. Are you the cool dad now, or do all kids get this? I don't know of any other kid around me that has it, so I think I'm the cool dad. Look at you, but man. See, here, let her understand this. Here's the reason why. Yeah. I was giving her like a $6 allowance. She's doing her chores. And we're sitting down with six $1 bills, and I'm teaching her how to take out this much for her giving, mm-hmm. this much for her saving, and this much for her spending. Right. But then I realize she's already at the place in life that's never going to be her reality. You know, hard it is for me to go get ones anymore. Yeah. So I was like, look, what I'd rather do is learn for her. So we're, here's what we're going to do now. We sit down at the computer. Okay. And I transfer. Hey, watch me transfer this money into your account. And then she's going to get a phone soon, like just a little phone. Wow. Because when you. she goes to volleyball practices that are closed and stuff, if she needs us, she has FaceTime and all those things on her What iPad. kind of phone? Like a smartphone? We're yeah. Probably like, like one of those SE iPhones, the ones you can get with the plan that <sighs> Dude, are. Dude, you're just. I'm You're not, opening Pandora's box. Well, she's bro. ten, and believe it or not, now the kid, like I would, we're gonna limit its use. Uh, but I need her. To, I know it's fine, bro. Have you seen Taken? Just be careful. <laughs> just, this phone, it's a doorway. But the green light card has an app, so yeah. she can open up, see her balance. Yeah. And we're gonna sit down. She's gonna start. She only told Pastor Roy on Sunday. She's gonna start giving online. Yeah. So we'll pay her tithe online. And so, I mean, this is, I want to teach her now how she's going to use money in the future. No one's going to be handing her so $10 bills. So she's giving a couple of dollars online? Yeah. At the, you can do that. On the website, the church website? Yeah. 
That's cool. I wonder what the fee is for that. It's a percentage. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it's like she's <laughs> she owes three dollars every time she tries to give two. Yeah. No, it's it's a we're, it's a it's a work in progress. But I think it's great, man. Yeah. I remember my allowance. Uh, the last time I had an allowance before I got a real job was, which I was fifteen when I got my first job. I think my allowance was seven or eight dollars a week, and that would have been nineteen eighty eighteen eighty nine. Did you say 1889? 1889. I was, my dad was a blacksmith and he you got near DeLorean. My mom was a glass blower. We had a time. We were a working family. We just, the wagon train. No, uh, 1987 or eight, I guess it would have been before mm-hmm. I got my first job. So yeah, I was seven. So I don't know that what you're giving Sadie is enough. You account for inflation is what I'm no, saying. No, I'm giving her $10 now. If she does $10 her, a, a week. week, if she does her allowance, that's, that's not enough, bro. What is she? You can't do anything for $10. Everything. That's the point. She has to buy some things for, in order for this to work. She wants to buy a $2 drink at the cafe on Sundays. Okay. She's going to pay probably a $2 tithe slash offering. Okay. And I mean, as she purposes Taxes. in her heart and as daddy tells her she has to. But no, I don't make her, but this is what we're trying to teach her. It's just being taxes. There's no taxes. I'm kidding so, around about the taxes. So she'll have $6 because that, that drink every Sunday morning is a big deal to her in the cafe. It all but goes it's to like missions. she's a grown-up, too. Yeah. It's like she gets to be a, so I ordered, I paid. Right. She stood in line. She uses the card. Yeah, and she used Look the card Sunday. Oh, my gosh. And everybody knew in the whole cafe. Like, she led everybody. That was so awesome. They're like, this Paris Hilton. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah, she has a whole $20. She's got a, she's got a purse dog. Let me see if I can find this credit card. Hold on, Fiefel, or whatever. That's what, the, that's, what the, that's what her dog's name is. Hold still. Uh, you know way more about Paris Hilton than I wish you did. So. Uh, that's not Paris Hilton's dog's name. That's, that's Sadie's dog's name oh, is it? in my scenario. <laughs> okay, Fiefel. Fiefel. Um, no, that's great. I, yeah, my mom would have done that. My mom was go where you say you're going to go for sure. Like, I want to know. Right. I'm going to ask you how the movie was. Right. I want to know the main character is the plot line. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this guy killed one guy and this was an explosion. <laughs> you didn't go to the movie. Did you? One time she did that to my brother, my older brother. Uh, he had a date. Uh, or no, it wasn't a day. I think he was going out with some some guy friends, and they were like going to go to the movies, but they really didn't go to the movies. They ended up changing the plans. Mm-hmm. And t- we were all such mama's boys. Mm-hmm. And Todd, for some reason, didn't call her to tell her, mm-hmm. hey, we changed plans. And they weren't going to do anything like wrong, but they were going to go to a game or something. And the arca- didn't know it was Or the wrong. arcade. So she goes to the theater, mm-hmm. and she's looking for that car, and she didn't see the car that they left in. And she wow. was just like, she lit him up when he got home. See, it's so much easier to track your kids now, though. It's scary easy. Yeah, it's like... I wonder what kind of kids, like that bubble kid that were... Because mischief is how you get the best stories. Like, I know we're protecting them from danger sometimes, but sometimes doing stuff that's like, right. if mom sees this, and it's a, it's a great memory. You cleaned up the house. I know. Just in time. Like, like, yeah, Laura says that, like, if we would have been posting to social media all the things we were doing right. at that impressionable, angsty age when we were doing stupid... I mean, I did some stupid things. Yeah. You know, and I was a a pretty well-behaved kid, but I had some stupid things. Like, probably the dumbest thing I ever did, we were on our senior year spring break, Panama City. Okay? You needed some beads. And so... (laughs) (laughs) And we were in this roach motel. Right. And I have a few friends that listen to the podcast. They'll remember this. We were like the third floor. Mm -hmm. And we were out in the balcony, and we just got back from dinner, and my friend Steven... He just always, we just, we, you, you know, you met Steve. Yeah, yeah, Steve's yeah, a great He was guy. in my wedding and everything. And 
Stephen was like, dude, you wouldn't jump from here into the pool. And I was like, oh, sure I would. Because, I mean, I just did stuff. My brother I'll and take I, the V off the side of this building. I'll slide down to the pool. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know it was building V? Yeah. Anyway, and so we sit there talking about it for a while. And he was like, well, if you did it, I'd do it. And I was oh, like, boy, and well, it's on then. Yeah. And so literally, now you, here's the thing. You had to jump out. Out because there's a patio. Because there was concrete yeah. below you. But, you know, my brother and I, we just did stuff. We just never worried about it. So at my senior year, heading on a full ride to college, I could have literally broken my neck. Mm-hmm. And I don't think about that. So I You jumped. feel invincible, yeah. Yeah, I jumped out, did it. And I was doing way less stupid things than most people in my mind. That's why I was like, well, this is a – this was like I was sober. You know, like this was a, a calculated level of Yeah, stupid. it was just testosterone. Right. It's why women men live longer than men because right. men dare each other to do this kind of crap. Yeah. And hey, that's a snake. Go grab it. <laughs> women, women don't dare each other to do right. that. Yeah. Right. So it's, did other people do it after so you? He, as soon as I hit the water, I heard a <laughs> splash right afterwards. <laughs> and as we were walking up all wet and everything, there was this cop. Oh, no. And he just started walking behind us. And I was like, oh, no. Like, maybe I should just walk right past her hotel room. But I wasn't. I just and he don't. winks and says, good jump, kid. <laughs> I wish that was the story. No. He gives, choo choo, when he fires like an invisible <laughs> gun at you. Like, hey. <laughs> little iffy on the dismount. Yeah. So, and so he walks into the room mm-hmm. and tells us that it's against the law in right. Florida to jump out of a balcony. Who knew, Johnny? Like uh, I had why read would that the be? law. You know. Why would that be? And so he told us we were getting evicted from the hotel. Oh, yeah. No. And we had a three hundred dollar deposit that we had paid. I didn't tell my parents. It's one of those rare things I kept from my parents till later. I told them later. Oh, you told them. So they're not finding out now on the podcast. And then he accused us of being drunk and all this stuff. And and that made me mad because I did yeah. not drink. So I was like, dude, we were the That's almost funny to like convince him, no, I'm just stupid. Right. I am not intoxicated. <laughs> I, I promise. Like, I'm a moron, sir. I was, I was like so offended because I was like, man, yeah. we're the only people in Panama City who yeah. are not drinking. Right. You know? How dare you? We're just idiots. <laughs> we're just being stupid. Right. Can't you just accept that? And so basically uh, he, he made us leave and then we found some people from school who were staying with their parents at a really nice condo yeah. and ended up crashing with them like the last night. And then and I Did told, you have to tell the parents what you'd done? I think they knew. But they were like the cool parents, like, uh, oh, man, nonsense. This is crazy. They should stay with us. Ugh. They're trying to be cool. We that. give our kids debit cards. It's whatever. <laughs> like they were trying to put on airs. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. It was a magical time. And so you didn't ever tell, like, you got home and just reported that everything went as planned. I don't know if I reported anything at all, which is crazy because I was. It's the lie of omission. I'm super. Well, yeah, back then I was like, everything was technical. Like yeah. I thought I was super, I thought I was super honest. Yeah. Turns out in life now I'm not super honest. Like no. I mislead people all the time yeah. because I make myself look good or don't make myself look as bad as it actually is. Yeah. That's the honesty I don't have that I'm working on. But yeah, back then I thought, well, as long as you don't tell a lie, everything's mm-hmm. fine. And then I told mom and I was like, after I was married or whatever, you know, and she just, well, I'm glad you didn't tell me then or whatever. I forget what she said, you know, yeah. but it was very. My mom used to do that too. Like one time we were going to jump out of a plane. We're gonna go parachuting and uh, and she said or skydiving and she's she said I wish you would have told me after you did it like we ended I ended up not doing it Benjamin did it but I ended up not doing it and you went then, up in the plane to skydiving no no no, no. Okay. I just decided not to do it like the week before but I said we're gonna maybe maybe do this and she was like don't do that tell me the week after you after. did it yeah yeah she was like I'm not gonna tell you not to do it you're grown up so it was like when I was in my twenties yeah she's like I'm not gonna tell you not to do it but please don't do that where I'm like dreading it the whole week leading up to it and right. 
thinking of you in the plane and the thing goes wrong because you're an idiot. Like that's probably what she really thought. Yeah. No, there are a lot of things I'd prefer to know after the fact. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of the, we're going skydiving. Speaking of tracking kids and, and yeah. things after the fact. We should probably tell our listening audience that that day, two weeks ago, that we were in here recording and Sadie was in here, that right afterwards, I go to find – because she had left. We lost So her. by the way, I forgot to I – I missed editing that part out where she goes, I said, honey, you know, if you want to go, you got to be quiet. You know, All that was in there. Our whole oh, listening man. audience heard that. I edited other stuff and missed that. So I, I'm, Laura and I dealt with that last week. You know, She was like – Oh, or people were listening to you parents? Yes. I was like, oh, man, did I say anything mean? There's like, yeah. no, it was fine. So apparently it was all fine. But they heard the whole thing of me dismissing Sadie oh, over wow, here and everything. So, yeah. Well, it's a good thing I wasn't like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> now you get in there while Daddy acts nice on this recording. Cry. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we take you out there. To, anyway. No, but she's she was great. And then, but she walked, she walked, she's gone. We couldn't find her. No. Me and Johnny were alone here at the church. I'd sent Sadie into the room next door. And we leave here, and we can't find her. Yeah. So I thought, well, she probably because she loves to draw in my office, and I, you know, she kind of it's she's a PK. well, she's a church kid, so yeah, yeah she feels like she got the run. Of the she's place. got the run. That's fine by me. I used to love hanging out at the church with my dad. You yeah. Know, go and, and hang out and find little places to hide and do stuff. You know. Yeah. So I thought, you know, well, okay, drink the communion, whatever. Right, whatever you got to do, you know. And so, but me and you, bro, I mm-hmm. mean. And I could, tell, I could tell you were getting nervous, and that made me nervous. Well, cause... I stayed because I was originally going to leave, and then you said, I can't. I said, did you find her? And you go, no. And I got out of the car and came in, and we started looking at the building together. I was, like, yelling mm-hmm. out. I was like, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, like, we went all the way to the top floor, and I had this in the back of my mind. Maybe Laura came by and got her. Right. But here was the deal. Like, she was under my care. Here's, here's the thing. I was fine until I had to call mm-hmm. because I knew this call could change my life. Like, I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. And and Laura and I have a pact. Like, look, parenting is a is an art. It's not a science. You can make mistakes, you know. And one of those mistakes could be detrimental. Yeah, you could have looked the other way, and you should have. I mean, that if if one of us does something that hurts the family, we'll just have to work through it and forgive each other. Like, you, I can't, I can't handle the weight of even thinking about it. Like, right. if I'm at fault for something, yeah. And and so. I just was like, I'm going to tell her I can't find Sadie. So that frees you up, knowing that, just to take chances with your oh, daughter. Oh, absolutely. I throw no, her off the balcony grace, all the time no, into the grace, pool. So you're like, I dare you. Like, jump out. Anyway. <laughs> Grab this V. It's me and you, lady. I'm right behind you. <laughs> and so I called her. I was like, I can't find Sadie. And she goes, what are you talking about? I have her. I was like, oh. Because if she would have been like, what? You know, then yeah. me and you were about to, I don't know, go get in the car and go Dukes of Hazard around here looking for her, I guess. <sighs> chasing, you know. I always wanted to go Dukes of Hazzard. Hazard. I always used to say, like, you know, you're driving dangerous in your car if you hear like a Waylon Jennings voiceover, you know, in, in your, your head. head. Right. <laughs> Everything pauses in midair. And you're <laughs> Those like, oh. boys better learn to grow wings. <laughs> like, then they go to commercial break when they're in midair. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many General Lees were destroyed in like jumping the ravines and stuff. Because not like that. I wonder how many CGI. General Lee mockups have been destroyed since the whole Rebel flag controversy and all know. that because like that was the big part of that show in fact i think tv land stopped airing it because it's just yeah. rebel flag is a prominent part of the car did you know today and he'll be he'll be okay with me sharing this today i uh, had lunch with one of our listeners and he we don't we've never been to lunch before you know and it was a lot of fun and he just said he he said he really appreciated our conversation on the confederate flag hmm. he said that he had kind of grown up 
family-wise in place where that was always considered history and heritage and everything. And he had just not really thought about what it might feel like to someone else and their family if – you know, a, right. say a person of color and if they had been what that might mean to their children yeah. to, to, to grow up. And he just he was like, it was really cool. He said, you know, y'all didn't push it or you just kind of gave both sides. But that that caused him to, to stop and think. And Johnny, you know what? <laughs> if, we can only, if we could just only one person. Um, I told you I wrote that in the intro to my endorsement book. It was like if this book reaches only one person. Right. Then the author will probably never get a book yeah, deal. Yeah, I will starve to death. I said, I'm not sure. This is true. So I'm not sure the significance of this, but the author's backspace is broken. True story. It really was my backspace, like locks up on me because I've oh. hit it so many times. What does that tell you, Joni? Oh, there's a sermon there. Oh my gosh. So sometimes I can't backspace. Like, well, I guess this is what it is. Sometimes the Lord don't want you to look back. <laughs> sometimes you need to keep typing. <laughs> Because the harvest is ripened. It's a, it's a whole – it took me a minute to come up with a rhyme. Pete's <laughs> having the harvest is ripened. Um, oh, that'll – that's good. That will preach and shouldn't God be. God, no, should I'm preaching preached. that Sunday. And I'm not will supposed you? to preach Sunday. I'm you just taking get up over. and say it. Like a, like a coup, a hostile takeover of the hey, pulpit. I could. Wouldn't that be fun? I've seen it, actually. You've seen it, like too. Like a one-act play. Remember that time we had those preachers? It was like some – tag team preacher thing we used to do that yeah. we used to go to those things yeah yeah because we had to play or whatever not because we wanted to go but no anyway not there's anything wrong with that <laughs> no there was something wrong with these <laughs> go ahead <laughs> proceed it's like these multiple churches together uh-huh and the guy but they're know, all used to be in the man so yeah there's no unity because they're all just like watching judging each other's right. preaching style remember you used to always want to start a part of the company called the unity division the unity division yeah <laughs> And so the guy got up. He's supposed to go 20 minutes or whatever. He's been going like 40. Right. And what did the other preacher say? This was at a thing I was at. Uh, this wasn't one. This was the one that we played. I at. thought that was at the NOX. No, movie. no, no. This was one that I was at. And you probably just heard me tell the story so much. But this was like <laughs> when I was like 12 or 13. And they had it was a conference where it was like Norval Hayes and a lot of the Word of Faith pastors yeah. like Kenneth Hagen Jr. and those guys. So this one guy was preaching uh, a friend of mine who's. Like my good friend in Florida, his dad was the minister. So it's like a 3 p.m. slot. So it's one of those like if you're really at the conference and you're going to teaching all day, every day, right. you're there. So he's like one of the side guys. So he's teaching. This other guy who's in the crowd, he's, he's like the 4 p.m. guy. And uh, David, the teacher, he's having guys down for prayer and things going, whatever. He felt like the spirit was moving, whatever it was. And so he goes a little bit. He's going a little bit over. It's like it's like 4.05 now. And he's like, uh, does anybody else uh, want to come down? Does anybody else feel that? And the the, the, four, of, the four o'clock preacher screamed out, you're on my time now, preacher. <laughs> and like, it was like, <sighs> oh, my gosh. And like some people kind of like, what What did oh, I what did I hear? Gosh. Some people gasped. And then it was a big thing after it was over. Mm. I remember I was just a kid. I was like but, 14. But what we were in a thing one time, though, where preachers go out the back and one guy goes, no time in heaven, brother. Oh, remember I remember that. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those stories got mixed to me. I yeah, no, they're... there's no time in heaven, Pastor. <laughs> is there? Well, <laughs> I, I think know. there probably is. Maybe. We were talking about that the other night. Remember that New Year's Eve thing at the first church we were at? The first church I was youth pastoring at. Yeah. And I wanted to just do a block-in with the kids like I always did. Did you say block-in? A block-in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We barricaded, we have the, barricaded doors. the doors. <laughs> Look, sorry, kids. You're gonna get, you get ain't right going with God. Nowhere. You ain't starting this new year with a sin in your life. Did you bring your CDs, your we're, secular music? We're going to start a fire right here in the middle of this room and throw them in there. <laughs> That's right. 
And if you want to survive, that's right. It's a block in. Remember, he made he made he did the back to back preachers. He wants to all. He gave me a topic. Oh, I had like right. thirty minutes to teach on God is not slack concerning His promises at, the, <laughs> at like the ten at like the ten thirty slot. What in the world? Yeah. topic is that? And I was like, well, that's one. God of scri- is not slack. That's a scripture, but it's like an, a King James. But that's version. a King James version. Yeah. God is not slack concerning. I was like, oh man, that's how I wore slacks. And <laughs> that was your theme. <laughs> no, I did. I don't remember. But I was so – it was like I was being submissive because I was like, okay, yeah. I could have like 50 kids here tonight for New Year's Eve lock-in like we always do. Mm-hmm. And now – and he made me You're make the kids Because that pastor was one of these old tent revivalists yeah. who had then taken a church after that movement yeah. was all over. Yeah. So it was a really big deal to him that we would preach all the way into New Year's kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. which I love preaching. But even I didn't want to that night. I was like, you know. Oh and the people gosh. there, even they're just like, look, this is oh. a hostage situation. It was like, yeah, point. it was like seven to midnight preaching. <laughs> it's like, oh, God is not slack. My goodness, it was uh, oh. Johnny. We've had some, we've done some stuff. I remember one time you got a, uh, a Super Bowl party canceled because the singing Native American family had been yeah. promised a spot. It was like somebody that was an old friend of the past. They've come every year, John, and you need to have the kids come to this. That's my they biggest event. Sing like year. Southern gospel yeah. songs. Uh, which is a really that's a niche market. Native Americans who it, sing it Southern was. gospel. Hits. They were surprisingly talented. I remember really? that they were really they were actually the best Southern gospel group that we had ever brought in. Wow. But it was still Super Bowl night. Like yeah. you know, it was like yeah. Oh man, this is a great opportunity. You know, but it's okay. You know, Johnny, let's not look back. Just like that backspace, Let, bro. The, our backspace is broken. Our bro. backspace is broken, <laughs> along with many other things in our lives because of our past. Um, yeah, I don't look back, bro. And I think uh, that's my main thing. People always go like, how do you succeed? I, like, I don't look back. Like even in my car, I think it's the reason I've hit a lot of what I can only assume <laughs> are pedestrians. <laughs> who can tell? I don't, really? Who knows? Only the Lord knows because I don't look back. Oh, my goodness. Well, and we, uh, man, I tell you what, I was talking today at lunch with my buddy about, and this is, have you, have you read, have you read Kevin DeYoung, Just Do Something? No, you've told me about that book, though. Well, you know, there's so much. It, there's there's so much like it. And we talk about our past and the way we we were talking about churches and how much even in my own life. Like I look back at that experience, mm-hmm. and it was good. Like I spent four years at a. And we don't talk about this a lot. I spent four years youth pastoring at a church while I was teaching. Yeah, and still in college. And Laura and I just first been married, and we're so grateful. So great, so many great memories. If my, my best recollection is they'd had about ten youth pastors in ten to twelve years. And I I stayed four, but there was a a rich history of changing youth pastors. Churches go through some people. Well, back then especially. And it was late 90s, early 2000s, and it was kind of the thing. The average – it was like a year and a half was the average Mm -hmm. tenure, you know, for somebody in youth ministry. But I was part-time. It was probably – Helped a lot in the situation. I was in the school systems, and and we had just, I mean, amazing kids and amazing families, and I still have so many great memories there. But you do look back at a lot of things in your past that were very dysfunctional mm-hmm. in terms of the way the church, you know, worked. And, and 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 I don't mean the people were dysfunctional. I just mean that expectations of church in a lot of places. Our church here today included. We've been on a real mission to address what we think is biblically dysfunctional or community dysfunctional about the way we live. And, and there's just health to finally calling it out and going, Hey, you know what? If this is not the way it should be, then we need to change, you know? Yeah. But I look back and go, all those reasons that I'd stayed, all those reasons that I didn't make changes. And, um, often, and I think that there's validity here. I don't have an answer to it, but there's validity saying in, in those days in the, traditions and the mindsets that I was in, it was all about what does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. 
And that's that question comes up like repeatedly. Well, what do you think God wants you to do? And it's so crippling for so many people. My, I still struggle with that to know because I do believe it's important to ask, yeah. what does God want me to do? But I've also now like theologically and in my journey, I've really come on into a lot of places biblically where I think that there's sometimes that God is a lot of the times that God is absolutely granting you wisdom and counsel through community and his word to make decisions. Yeah. And so the book deals with three different, the just do something by Kevin DeYoung deals with, uh, the three types of God's will. And he, and I'm, I'm rereading it again, just cause it's, it's a short book. It'd be a good read. Anybody should pick it up. Honestly. Now he pastors at a university church. And so there's, he's access to this, yeah, transient population a lot. And it's an older book actually, but I think it's 2008, maybe something like mm-hmm. that. He talks about the three kinds of way. We'd say, well, what is the will of the Lord? And he goes, look, there's three kinds of, of, there's three versions of the will of God. One is the will of decree. The will of decree is God's sovereign will that, you know, and we just blend all these together, but he says there's actually three different kinds scripturally. The will decree is, look, this is just something you can't change. It's what God planned for before the beginning of time. It's, yeah. you're going to look up and go, well, God's will was done and, and you can't change it. A lot of people struggle with that. They go, well, if God has a will that's undeniable, infallible, can't be changed, then what's the purpose of making choices? Because everything's going to happen. Right. Or at, praying or whatever. Right. Yeah. Why, why even try to, why try to go share the gospel, if all things are already already pre-accounted for in everyone's mm-hmm. life. People are very confused on that. He said, but there is a will of decree, and there's a, mis- a mystery to that will even in his sovereignty. But the second kind of will of God is the will of desire. And this is actually the only of the three that we can directly affect with our actions every day. The will of desire is the way that God wants people to live. Yeah, The way that God wants – and he's living these choices. His desire is that you live in community. His desire is that you live in peace, that you show kindness, that you give to the poor, that you're generous, that you're mindful of the widows and orphans. There's a widow there, – there's a uh, an, an idea and understanding that God has this will of desire, but he's leaving that up to people, mm-hmm. you know, to do it or not do it kind of thing. Yeah. And then he'll – you know, it will all play into his will of decree. But that third – the third one is the one we really freak out about. So will desire I can affect today. Yeah. Like I can affect today whether or not I treat you with kindness. Regardless of what you do, I have so much power there. Mm-hmm. Like I can choose to do it even when it doesn't make any sense just like Christ did. So, yeah. you know, I can I can ask God to empower me that. But the third one is the will of direction. And then he goes in this whole – it's a brilliant, brilliant book about that how many people spend their lives not making moves paralyzed out of fear – and insecurity that they're going to make the wrong move and comes like somehow I'm going to move outside of God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. What they're seeking is the will of direction and to know, should I have lived in Knoxville? Should I live in Nashville? Should I be a pastor? Should I be a writer? Should I marry Laura? Should I marry someone else? And so mm-hmm. there, there's all these things that, and, and people don't make decisions in life anymore out of their, their stated reason for doing it is, um, I'm waiting on God to reveal. Yeah, they think they're being more spiritual by just staying still and yeah. not making any decisions. And I really don't know in my and sometimes life. it's like they're they're just afraid of failure and yeah. they're blaming it on God. Well, I don't know that. Well, I think they generally blame themselves more than God. That I just yeah, don't, but I mean, I just sometimes if know. you say, "Well, he's not told me that," like if you're in an abusive relationship, for instance, or whatever, you know, like, or if you're in an abusive job situation, you're like, but I've not been released, right? Maybe this is my 
Babylonian occupation. And I'm supposed to be a light in the darkness. And like, you just let yourself just get railroaded Yeah. again. It affects your home life. It affects your family. And, uh, I, w- I would advise that person not just to be like, go chase your happiness. But I would say, I don't know if it's God's will for you to just be taken advantage of and like sexually harassed by your boss. Right. You know, or whatever's happening. Right. Like that idea of like, well, I'm suffering. Maybe I'm doing something good. Like yeah. we've got that wired in somehow. It's almost like if Listerine burns, it must be working. Yeah, it's like right. – or if we start doing something good, like Tim was talking about this on his podcast one time with another comic. He was saying like he was in a worship service and he started having like this really like intense feeling of like closeness to God. And like it was like a pleasure feeling. And he was just like – then I felt bad that I was – a that I was enjoying worship like it was a, a physical, you know. And then Darren was like, that's just backwards. Like, we've been taught, though, that, like, if it feels good, it's, God's probably not in it. Right. This is probably wrong. You're probably being a humanist. You figured out a way to, like, it's it, worship is about you. It's like, I mean, I don't know, man. I think there's something. God gave us music. I mean, that's the thing. Cultures everywhere, they understand music. It's like this universal thing that I think it's one of the proofs of God. Yeah. Is that there's this universality to music. And, and, um, but yeah, to, to your point about the will, I think, uh, people do that sometimes to the other way too. Like they, they want to give credit to God for their gifts, but then they want God to be responsible for their use of those gifts too. In other words, I've, we've all seen, Christian artists who will write a mediocre song, and if you dare to criticize it and say it's right. really shallow, they're like, "Well, God writes my songs, right?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, we I don't think you need to blame God for that terrible meter in your song and terrible rhyming scheme and very simplistic view of the gospel, right? You know, or whatever, or just like right. we've all heard those songs where you just go, dude." Yeah. This is Brady Bunch stuff where you had to tie it up at the end on a bow because you're writing a Christian song when we all know, like, there's struggles. And can we write something with some depth? Do you know what my pet peeve is, by the way? What's that? On Christian music. And I don't have many because I, I like Christian music. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a hater. <clears throat> and th- I shouldn't probably say this because now any song that you hear, but if, if – I'm sorry. I was going to say it, John. Okay, this sure. is honest, Flay. Right, this is it. safe, right? It's just me and you talking. Me and you. Right. There's no one else Two, listening. three listeners. Tops. <laughs> If I hear one more song, then when they get to the bridge, they just break into amazing grace with a new melody. Oh, right. Do you know how many Christian songs, the yeah. bridge is just amazing grace? Because they knew, if I haven't caught you yet, everybody likes amazing grace. Yeah. I love the song amazing remember, grace, by the way. Brian used to say, he hated when preachers would, they would preach old hymns. Yeah. Oh, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. You're like, wait, that's... <laughs> That's not your. That's. I just. I just. I just go. That's almost to me like. Look. Now maybe. Maybe. And I can't know the heart of the writer. Right. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they're like. Oh my gosh. This is that thing. But sometimes it just feels like the paint by numbers. Like that's the. That is the 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 formula. If I put Amazing Grace in this, it'll get a radio hit because people out there will want to hear it because it it tied to something familiar. Anyway, that that was neither here nor there. Yeah. But to your point, I think that. There's something to be said for I don't want to be held responsible for my bad choices. Well, I mean, I do it with jokes sometimes. I'll be like, well, God gave me this gift. You know, when, you have, when you're a comedian, it's like you have a third eye that you can see the world with. So I can see the weird thing that other people might not see. And that's the gift. And so now you have to decide what to do with that gift. Well, if I use that gift to hurt people or if I use it to tear down people or if my comedy is very acidic or, sure. you know, every other word's an F-bomb or whatever, then that's my choice. 
But sometimes I see in Christian circles, Christian communion circles, it's like, which is a small community, but you just see people being like, I'm off the hook because God inspires this. And it was like, yeah. look, God, God is a creator. He endowed you with his spirit. Now you can create things. Yep. You're allowed to go create something with the gift he gave you, but it's not his fault if you pervert it or make it something weird. And uh, don't let yourself off the hook. Like, oh, it's been be a, the best you can be. Yeah, there's been a lot of preacher versions of that where they use inspiration from God as an excuse not to prepare. Yeah. And I always tell them as go, well, can't God inspire you a week earlier when you're preparing? Like, why does it have to be just on the, right. Saturday, on the fly? Saturday night, whatever. Right, there's no way, you know. And I, I totally – and I think all of these – need a counterbalance. The counterbalance number one is, for example, with, with that church we're talking about, the first church you and I served at, I specifically felt in my heart that I heard the Lord say, not yet, I need you to stay. Yeah. And where I am today. It was about six weeks after I left. Yeah. You, how long, you hung on for longer, but like. I hung on. And I don't know. I'm not going to say that God told me to leave either. I'm just going to say Well, no, that. I think sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. I'm going to say that I left. You did. <laughs> and and God, you know what? God didn't tell me to leave. I got fired. <laughs> so, oh, that's true. And, and and there was a – but for me in that moment, I think some of that was about those kids. I, I needed to go as far that's as true. I could go. A lot of them didn't have dads and other things. And it did, maybe didn't make it hurt any less, but I didn't leave of my own accord. Yeah. You know? And still to this day, I don't know why I got fired, by the way. I was never told. But, but the the – but the the situations that follow after that, in that particular case, I think there are times, I think this is what the whole will, decree, will, desire thing. Look, there are times when you ask, you will get an answer. And there are times you ask that you won't. And the times that you don't get a specific answer, which I think are more often mm-hmm. than not, more oft than not, some might say. More oft. Right. And I think that there are times when it's okay to make decisions. And I'm coming to yeah. that place then I'm on that it's okay to use wisdom, biblical counsel and all those things and realize that God's God's going to go with you when you make that decision. Yeah. And that's all right. Um, but I do think there are times I do believe in a God who answers. Look, sometimes Moses, he's just wandering. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just wandering in the desert. And that's what they're going to do today. And sometimes God said, go to that mountain. And I think that we don't need to wrap up God as if he's a one size fits all what he did last time. He'll yeah. do next time. That's the biggest issue we have. I used to love talking about Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a big, big like revelation in my life that changed um, the way I look at, at God was they go up this mountain, they're sitting there hanging out. And all of a sudden Jesus like turns into this bright faced can't look him in the eyes. He, he becomes this divinity, like mm-hmm. heavenly divinity. He takes on his heavenly form in their presence, and they've never seen that. And then all of us, so, so then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah show up. Mm-hmm. You know, so to a Jewish fisherman in that day, especially, you literally Moses is the embodiment of the law. Mm-hmm. Like every Moses is 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 everything. Everything that you've ever learned, Moses is the is the mouthpiece it came through. And then Elijah is the embodiment of the prophets. So every concept of who God is, how he interacts with people came through the prophets. The law and the prophets are there with Jesus. They're all shining bright like angels basically. Yeah. And it would have been the most 
incredible thing anybody in that time would have ever seen. I right. used to say it would be like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Abraham Lincoln showing up asking to sit down and talk over coffee to us except times 11 because it's it's a it, it's the spiritual embodiment of those things yeah. to them. And Peter all he can think to say is exactly what we would say. He says, "Let's build three tents, three tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Like let's harness this." And then you'll each have a place to stay. And literally a voice from heaven has to ring out to shut him up and say, just listen to what Jesus is saying. Like, yeah. This is my son. Like, I don't need you to. And I think about how often we try when God does something great that we try to, I call that the transfiguration syndrome. Like, I now got to reproduce this so that forever. In my mind, Peter wanted to set up those three things and forever people are going to climb that mountain to come yeah. see Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And, and it will be the greatest ministry yeah. that ever lived. Like it's a one-man show. Thirty, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, yeah. And, Let's and go could, see this experience. What it. could be wrong with it? Like it's an amusement park. And Jesus was like, this, and, and God has to say, this is not the point of why I'm showing you this. I'm yeah. showing this so you'll listen and follow Jesus. Like you still don't believe, but now you'll see he is my son. Follow him, and he he has the the worship of the law and the prophets. I mean, like, there's so much wrapped up there in the gospel. Yeah, like here is the here is the one coming to fulfill all that was stated in the law and the prophets about God and the Messiah and what would be the future, and and we can't look past it. And so I think I think that that viewpoint of God's will is that whatever God once did, if God told me one time to stay, that means forever I always stay. If God told me one time to go, it means forever always go. If God told me one time to be a whisper to always be this way, then that means God always speaks in a whisper. If God told me – like transfiguration syndrome, how can I take it and I can make this um, default now for how God interacts yeah. with me? And God, right. there are defaults in God's word and all those things, but I just think we we, we miss yeah. the beauty of it. My favorite ones from the Old Testament where like uh, Elijah, the prophets of Baal, the fire – Mm-hmm. Rains down from heaven, consumes the altar, yeah. and then he hears that Jezebel wants to kill him. And he runs and hides in a cave, yeah. and then God gives all these signs. There's all these signs that come. There's wind. There's fire. But it says, but God wasn't in the fire. And then he heard a still small voice, and he falls to his knees. So it's like God was in the fire like a day earlier. Yeah, God was the fire. That was God. The power of God came down, yeah. consumed the altar. But like literally the next day, he was trying to show Elijah, I'm not just the fire. I'm the voice in your head that tells you this is the way to go and don't be afraid. So it's like, it's important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, we do. It's like if I always heard somebody say that, too, about the Old Testament. Like if if you do the if you just keep doing the last thing that God told you and you don't listen for the next thing, then Abraham would have sacrificed Isaac. Well, this is what he told me. Mm, you got to keep listening, keep listening. Yeah. Um, and um, so it's hard, though. And I think sometimes we don't hear anything for a long time. Well, yeah. And I do think there's times you have to do the last thing. You have to make decisions. But the will of desire will lead you there. Look, how can in whatever situation you're in, it's a big thing. We talked about that last time you and I were on here. Regardless of what situation I'm in, I know, <laughs> I think it's it's my wife's favorite verse, you know. Whether you turn to the left or the right, your voice, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way to walk in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's just talking about which way to go. He said, it doesn't matter which way you go. Whether you turn to the right or the left, he's saying, you'll know 
this is the way to walk. As you walk to the left, walk this way. Or as you walk to the right, walk this way. Yeah. This is the way, not mm-hmm. the direction, but this is the manner yeah. that I want you to walk in. And I think that the Christian life, you know, you look at so many people in this world that it's not the story you would have written. It's not. And yet the way they walked in that story is what makes God's grace and his transformation so evident in them mm-hmm. that it was through those those things. And I think that that's where the will of decree God's sovereignty begins to make so much sense. Like, look, the only will I really need to focus on is the will of desire, to be honest. I can ask about the will direction. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But more oft, again, than not, mm, God, God just did not tell everybody in the Bible what was going to happen. He just didn't do it. Yeah, sometimes I, I, it's hard to accept when you're young and you're a young believer. But, like, now that I'm an older person and I've been in Christianity for a long time, it's like, I think of it as like when it talks about God's ways are higher than our ways. It's like my mom used to, we struggled so much financially and she'd wear an $8 dress so that I could have tennis shoes that I wouldn't get made fun of at school. I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes though. And if I'd ever asked her as a 10 year old to explain the mortgage to me, she would have just said, don't worry about it. Yeah, I got it. And I might've been like worried about it. If I'd known more, if I'd known to be worried, God, that's, that's our house payment. Yeah. How are you even doing this? What do you make at your job? Like sometimes parents withhold things from us because it's like, it's for your own good not to know this stuff. You couldn't understand it anyway. It would just fill your head with worry and you'd be way more freaked out. So they protect us. And then when you get old enough, they're like, I would love to have a conversation with my mom now to be like, how did you do all this? Yeah. How did you even manage? Because I know more and I know some of the things she must have been thinking and going through. But that's the kind of thing sometimes I think like. Am I asking the right questions of God? Because some of this stuff I shouldn't be asking about. There's no way I could understand it, even if he could, even if he could make it known to me. And if you're asking about that, it's something. It's such a great question. If you're asking about that, what are you not asking about? You know, I found myself today. It's I just I, I pray so much. Again, I pray about living to be a hundred. I do, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think we should ask more. Um. But I really can't control it. That's going to be in, in his will of direction, and right. his will of You prayed to keep your hair, and he was like, look. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I just <laughs> – Like I said, this was happening with or without me. I decided to jump <laughs> on board. And so, you know, I think, though, the things he did say to pray about that we become attuned to, that sounds so churchy to us, but, you know, I got a call at 2.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, last night from somebody in the hospital. You know, there was someone else that was really worried they might be going blind. And then just the last 24 hours, two people who are, you know, there's something I, the will of desire makes it clear that I should care about that. Right. That I should spend my energies and my time. And those are things, letting God's kingdom come and, and his His love being shown to people and communicated. Uh, but yes, he knows. I preached last Sunday on that, that, you know, and I'll tell that story later about, about uh, the water park and the lazy rivers and stuff, but. He knows that you need bread for life. <laughs> it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But he wants you to desire the bread of life. That was the whole story in John chapter 6. You know, they, they followed him because he fed the feet. He fed the 5,000. They, yeah. they were chasing him. And he said, you're only coming after me because I fed you bread. And they even said, well, yeah, Moses gave us manna from heaven. Like they're wanting, again, transfiguration. So they're wanting to repeat, rinse yeah. and repeat and, and re- over and over and over again the thing that had happened. 
And Jesus said, look, that's not why I came. That's fine. That's important to me. I want to feed you and care for your needs. I'm already caring for the needs of the birds in the field and caring for the hairs in your head. Like I know everything that happens. Every piece of bread you ever had in your whole life was from me. Mm-hmm. I'm already providing. But the bread of life is more important. And what I told them, and I think it's so important, is, look, it's not one or the other. There are those who would say, so we shouldn't – God doesn't care about your needs or your college fund. Or, God does care about the needs of his children. Mm-hmm. He's not asking you to pick one or the other. He's asking you to pick one over the other. It's, a, pro- it's a priority of it to say, no, the bread of life – that's what seek first. This is seek. a book, John. This <laughs> needs to be a book, bro. You think so? If you eat the bread of life enough, you mm. get to be 100 in your theory, right? <laughs> And then the book should be called Crusty Old Man. That's John. This is gonna bestseller, Johnny. Because you're the bread. Wow, you're telling me if I do this, you're guaranteeing me a bestseller. I'm guarantee you. If you saw a title, Crusty Old Man, <laughs> on the on the, on the bookshelf, you're telling me you're not wow. paying nineteen ninety nine for that. From a Christian publisher, yeah, absolutely, I would. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> Good luck with all that, listeners. Oh, man, it's fun. It's fun. Um, well, hey, we will have hopefully a new logo by next week for you. And I don't Johnny, need John. It's not about It's not, not about for you. Me. It's not for you. It should have happened. I just didn't have. This is all I've had. Like I said, we know the whole I'm so saga. so sick of you building your kingdom. Time and again. And this kingdom sucks. If this, this is what is I've. a crappy kingdom. Like if I build the kingdom and this is all it is, then Jeez. no wonder we should seek first another kingdom, John. Mm, indeed. Mm, 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 mm. Guys, uh, thanks for listening. And I hope that your backspaces break. Mm. I hope your backspace button jams. Some of y'all need to quit. And that you need to look backwards. ahead. My goodness. And stop being a cursor. That's other. <laughs> that's another computer. <laughs> no, stop being a cursor. Uh, Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, something about something pudding. About pudding. <laughs> Stop hanging out in the space bars. Something I don't know. <laughs> wow, you're just full of them. That's you don't funny. normally do a lot of wordplay. It's fine. this is good. Though. This is my kind of humor that, that you look down dad, on. Dad jokes. You're doing dad jokes, and we're all laughing. It's fun. I like dad I jokes. I theorize that I could hand you a bad dad joke that I wrote. You could take it yeah. to the stage, and it would kill. I Can we a, try it one time? Yeah. I have a I have a dad joke that I've been working on about like uh, the dad bods coming back. I have the dad bod, but I don't. I'm not a dad, so it's like a weird place to be. And uh, I ha- I've had the dad bod for like a decade now, and my doctor just told me I have diabetes, and so that is that's a tough blow. Have you used it? Yet? <laughs> no, I've never done it. I've never done it. This is a new trial run. So, so I'm assuming people are laughing. Next week, that. I'm bringing you my top five dad jokes. Yeah, and, and then, I'll try at least and one. And you try one. I'll pick one. And then I want to know, because I think it has to do with people's perception that you – it's not a perception. It's true. You're yeah. just funnier than I'm me. I'm doing a show Saturday. So if I give it to you then? You give, yeah, give it to me now, and then I'll I'll try one, and then I will report back on the next be amazing. podcast. This will be amazing. And it will prove that it has nothing to do with whether or not I'm funny enough. It's just mm. that I'm not – Funny. I think enough. you want to think that my when I'm up there is like, well, they'll laugh at anything. That hurts my feelings. I don't think that. That's I hurtful. think that you're. De- I think you have a skill and a craft of delivery, yeah. and that they have a buy-in with you that they should have because you're funnier. Yeah. But I just think that people like me who are mediocrely funny could throw something in there because with a master delivery, it'd be okay. It'd be like a chef at a five-star restaurant having this one dish in the middle, but because you know everything else is good, you assume that's good too. 
So yes, you are the chef at the five star. Am I the chef in this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're see. the guy who's doing it well all the time. Anyway, hey, thanks, and and, and we'll we'll try this experience. We'll try it. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, make sure you share and uh, and keep sending us your leave comments. a review. Yeah. yeah. Leave a review. We're going to have some new, other new. I actually had a marketing meeting uh, with Allison about the podcast last week. Yeah, new things are coming, Johnny. I'm excited. We're taking the world by storm. So. Hey, uh, but be sure to share, though, for real. Let a friend know if something affected you today. Go ahead and, or if it didn't affect you, you just liked it. You just go ahead and tell somebody else. Yeah, affect us too. That sounds so. Well, guys, we're affecting. A lot of pressure on us to affect people. We may not be affecting at all. So infecting is possible. That's terrible. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Talk about that. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.